Alan Rickman. <laughs> I'm Alan Rickman. You're listening to Tunes on Film, episode 22, CBGB. Working early in the morning, no, it's fine. Working early in the morning, like, fucks with my circadian rhythm. So, like, I routinely wake up, get to work, and then I'll be working for, like, half an hour to an hour. And then I'll just all of a sudden have, like, the just most, like, urgent urge to take a shit. (laughs) And, like, gas. And it happens, like, all the time. Like, it happens, like, easily at least once a week. And every time... I can't, like, I can't leave because it's too early in my shift and there's too much stuff to do. Mm. So I have to, like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm paranoid, like I'm wearing a wire or something, just, like, looking around and just, like, waiting for no one to be around me so I can just be like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I just, like, go outside. I just, like, go outside into the parking lot and just, like, uh, that was all recorded, by the way. Uh, so. Oh, good. <laughs> I'll have to put that at the start of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Or the end. All right. What's up, YouTube? Welcome to Tunes on Film. My name Fuck is you. Reed Blakely. <laughs> Jackson McDonald. And this is a podcast about movies, about music. And today we are discussing CBGB, directed by Randall Miller and starring Alan Rickman, Malin Ackerman, and Freddie Rodriguez. It was released September 5th, 2013, around the same time as Grown Ups 2 and Pacific Rim. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Both classics. Yeah. Albums released around then include Janelle Monet's The Electric Lady, Man Man's On Oni Pond, and Avicii's True. On the Canadian charts, the number one single was Katy Perry's Roar. The number one album was Avenged Sevenfold's Hail to the King. That fucking rules. On the regular <laughs> charts, too. And on the Earshot Campus and Community Radio charts, the number one record was Braids with Flourish Parish. Wow. And in the news, on September 7th, Tokyo was awarded the 2020 Summer Olympics. And on September 18th, Tony Abbott becomes Prime Minister of Australia, then proceeds at some point in the future to eat an onion. (laughs) All right, so CBGB, uh, to provide, should we start by maybe providing context for uh, what it's about for those who are not quite as nerdy as we are? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, so CBGB, it was a bar that existed on the Bowery, which is just like a street in Manhattan in New York City from 1973 to 2006. And it was run by a guy Alan named... Rickman. Uh, <laughs> a guy named Alan Rickman. It was run by... <laughs> New York City. It was City's run by Hilly, quotation marks, Alan Rickman Crystal. Yes. And uh, it was... Uh, it is generally seen as the birthplace or one of them of the punk rock movement in America. So it was the first place the Ramones played. I actually looked it up. They played... They debuted in August of 1974 there and played 70 times, yeah. 70-something times before the year was over, playing an average of less than every two days. Uh, Talking shit. Heads got their start there, as did Blondie, as did uh, Television, television yeah. as did Jinx, as the, um, you know, be, uh, it was it was kind of a new wave thing, too. There was less of a line between those two at the time, I think. Yes, yeah. But, yeah, so it's seen as this sort of mecca for the punk rock movement, and in 2006, it closed due to a 
personal dispute with the landlord. Yeah, rental dispute over rent, I think. Yeah, uh, over rent and not renewing the lease. And yeah. then uh, it is now a John Vervedos clothing store, which is disgusting. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> it's funny and also disgusting. Yeah, yeah. As most uh, things in our in today's world are. To, yes. Uh, to so inter- the movie... <laughs> to interject, um, I just wanted to say, the line between... Um, Punk and New Wave, I don't think, becomes very clearly defined until about 1980. When it it starts... when MTV comes along, basically, and when New when, Wave starts to become, uh, when that one starts selling to, records, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. When New Wave starts to become like marketable, and synths become, and drum machines get more involved, mm-hmm. and but but you know the heyday of of CBGB really is like mo- most of its obviously. It was around. It was around for ages and ages, and tons of bands played there. But as far as like uh, being a real like tastemaker area in in New York, it it really sort of its heyday was between like 1974 and and 1980, I think. Right, because as the as the, as is noted in the film, basically there weren't a whole lot of places in New York City at the time to play your own original music, and even and if you did, it probably sucked. I mean, so any yeah. so so the first <laughs> so the first place that because I, I found out that Ram Jam was from New York City yesterday. Oh, I didn't know that. You would assume they were a Southern rock band, You'd right? Think, yeah. But I mean, you know, I I wouldn't have thought that the, uh, the Dead Boys would be from Cleveland either. So that one kind of uh, makes sense, but it makes more well. That's uh, did you just assume the, they were New Yorkers? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's no? What's the big one? Like John Fogerty is from like Northern California. Uh, well, Northern California is kind of a rednecky place. Well, I guess. yeah, like but it it's not—it's not the Bayou. No, well, no, it <laughs> it's not—it's no. not the swamp. You know, they're—it's not Boston. And I monsters. don't think they speak with that accent either. Oh God! No. I want to know. Oh yeah. It's, so I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not overly surprised that 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 could be an affect. The, the whole Ram Jam thing. They did Black Betty, right? Yeah, that, okay. that was their yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the movie CBGB, what do we think of it? Uh, possibly the most genuinely baffling movie I've ever <laughs> seen. We are going to see if uh, if I set a record for most times I use the word baffling <laughs> in no, literally, a one-hour period. You you just watched this. I watched it over the period of literally three days. Uh, and, yeah, and I recently, can see why. I, and, I really, and No, I would have watched it in one chunk, but I had other stuff to do, oh, actually. Okay. You know, this I, movie was... This is not a movie that's hard for me to get through. Oh, that's it's hard ju- for me to believe. No, it's just... Bad. Yeah, so, my, my attention really, really waned... Uh, Towards the the last sort of half an hour, when I realized that there that there was a conflict or like any semblance of plot was not really going to ever mm. come to fruition, I actually just I just watched Gaudy, mm. uh, like a, maybe a week ago. John Travolta, um, yeah, uh, because it's on Netflix, and I was like, oh, this will be fun, bad movie. Mm. Um, and uh, honestly, like. Gaudy was about as easy to follow as this movie. Like, <laughs> all right, so. My assessment is this movie was not carelessly made. No. It was maliciously made. Oh, okay. The like it, like no choice in this movie makes any actual sense. It, it it's almost like they were going out of their way to like not just kind of be straightforward with their material, you know? Like yeah. like four or five like in the first 
right off the bat, in the first few minutes of the movie, four or five baffling stylistic and narrative choices. That's two times now we've used yeah. that word. No, yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah. to keep a counter running yes. for this. Yes. Yeah, uh, this will be a drinking game yeah. uh, played by Jackson here, I'm, just, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Here, um, I'll, take, I'll take another drink. Yeah, right so now. first of all, the comic book thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so every... This is... Do you remember Ang Lee's Hulk movie? Uh, vaguely, yeah. How they, how they kind of played up the whole like comic book panels thing. It's yeah, from a comic book. I do vaguely remember that, yeah. And how, and how the... And that's always irritating when they're like, this is from a comic, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's uh, like the for better or for worse animated series was like that too. Like oh, it was yeah. That, every, that show was dog shit too. No, it was. But every transition... Like anything, it was like this is based on a comic strip, yeah. it's not its own thing. And the kind of the, the first scene is of the of the two guys who founded the punk punk fan, magazine, fan, the, 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 the zine, the, the, the yeah. zine the, that the kind of zine, yeah. in a way solidified the name associate that that word associated with the genre. Yeah. I think is is the idea that they're going for, and it's like you know he's a. He's like, the guy's a cartoonist, and it's like, but they use that as an excuse to have every scene transit to have like a comic book motif throughout the movie. I think this, this stylistic choice would best be described, and maybe even just the entire movie, uh, as like, what if Scott Pilgrim, but it's a biopic, and it's made by and for exclusively baby boomers. Because, yeah. like, every scene transition in this movie where it does the, the whole co- weird, like, comic Zooming book out of one thing, panel and going into another, or the speech bubble it's thing. It's all just... And all the speech bubbles and everything is all just the most, like, hack, bog-standard, like, mugging for the camera, like, get a load of this guy it's like, it's like kind some of wi- stuff. It's like some Wizard of Id shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like sub cartoonist in your local paper yes. level punchlines mm. like it is uh i i honestly like, i che- i got like che- cheetah chrome um exhibits his penis to yes. his record exec and the speech bubble was like kids got a future yeah exactly yes that's a pr- that would be the the the, the prime example but it, it's the the first i would say it's not even like five minutes it's it's probably maybe the first three minutes yeah. of this movie genuinely i i had to i actually had to rewind it because i was kind of getting uh i was getting my shit together i had i i, I watched the first 30 seconds of this movie and went holy shit i need to pause this and go get a drink <laughs> uh, because i i knew i was really in for something but um and then you know uh my girlfriend gets home and i'm double checking making sure it's okay that i use her computer because for some reason this entire movie is on youtube yes no so, it's the it's literally the first search result when you just search cbgb, CBGB yeah b- bizarre but anyways that's neither here nor there I, I, fa- so I, I found that out while trying to see if youtube had it for rental because i assumed right. that if it's an actual movie uh within the past few years youtube is not going to have it for free genuinely insane too because the like I understand that maybe the filmmakers don't give a shit because this movie made no money whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It made but, literally a few thousand bucks. But at the there box are so many. Uh, uh, there's so much copyrighted material in this. Yes, that, that you would think, uh, at least on that. Level, oh, we're getting somebody into that too. Put, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Obviously, that's a that's going to open up a whole other thread. But I, I I did just want to say that the the first. 
I was actually worried watching the first three minutes of this movie thinking like, holy shit, if it's like this the entire time, I'm there's no way I'm going to be able to get through this because <laughs> so much happens. The opening credit sequence where um, it's sort of just panning up and down yes. walls of... It, it, lazy. It's it, lazy bullshit. Well, okay, yes, but also it legitimately made me dizzy watching it. Like it made okay, me physically well, sick. Okay, because it's like close-ups of all these. So yeah, what we're seeing is we're seeing the camera like kind of slowly zip around just like it just shows the graffiti and stickers around the club is what it's showing and it's kind of slowly set to life during wartime. Yeah. Very characteristic of the Talking Heads CBGB era, of yeah, course. Yeah. Well, there's a It's lot because of the line that this ain't no mug club or CBGBs, but that's a stupid fucking reason to have that song. Yeah. And they have it again over the end credits. <laughs> I mean that the end credits part is fine. A little, yeah. So, okay, that's a little more justifiable. But here, like, movie, it's like, but... make it warning sign or some shit like that. But, yeah. uh, and it's, but it's all in close-up. So if you have a vertigo problem, and, you've, and you're already prepared to be blitzed, I guess. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't even have a vertigo problem. Like, my, my girlfriend does. If she had watched this movie, I would have been worried she was actually going to vomit. Because yeah. if it made me dizzy, I could only imagine somebody who actually has problems with vertigo, how they would feel about it. Like... All right. So after we uh, after we do after we do the opening the pointless opening scene. Yes, and which also is the, the 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 two founders of Punk Magazine in a basement in Connecticut who who literally do not appear again for what forty five minutes. Yeah, and then it's yeah. like and it's such a cliche. Is like like he like one guy legs. He says uh, he just says the word. So it's a magazine for punks, and he's like, yeah, that'll be the title, punk. Do, 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 do. Yeah, like, pretty pretty much. But, and so we go. It's to, the scene. It's the it's the part of the movie where you lean over to your date and whisper, "That's the punk." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we go straight from that to Hilly Crystal as a th- what two year old on a chicken farm in New Jersey. Yeah, and it goes back and says uh, forty years earlier. Yeah. So just for just after after a scene that is, and this is why it made me think of Gaudi because Gaudi does this a whole bunch where just random. Uh, it's I think it is sort of the um, it's the move for a movie that is professionally made, but just made by just incompetent morons with with technical knowledge is to just have useless title markers everywhere for everyone and everything yes but it's the the first scene in this movie is what 45 seconds long it's 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 so brief and then all of a sudden it's just like actually we're not going to talk about that here's 40 years earlier and then it's another scene that that has nothing i have to tell you this story exactly yeah but it's like this this movie is basically a shining example of uh you know show don't tell yes like it's like it like every if you have to use written narration like text-based narration not spoken narration to establish things then you're not making you're not telling the story properly the really strange thing about the text-based narration that's so prevalent at the beginning of this movie yeah is that it basically never appears again yeah there's they 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 continue on with the comic book motif but there's probably like five or six instances at the beginning of the movie where you get a black screen and then like white text where it'll say like 
you know, some, I can't, I, at the beginning of the movie, I think it's something like, some people think punk started here, and it's a shot of CBGBs, but it actually started in a basement in Connecticut, and now it's a shot of the guys in the, uh, the two punk guys in the, in the basement yeah, you talking about the magazine. Yeah, you could have just not done that. You could have just opened with a guy, the two guys having a conversation, if yeah. you're going to have that scene at all. Which... You shouldn't have. Yes. Uh, but, okay, so we go from that to Hilly Crystal as a two-year-old. It shows him climbing out of his crib and running around outside at night to show what a rebel he is. Yeah. Now, he doesn't listen to anybody's rules, man. And then uh, it cuts straight from that to him uh, as a 40-something-year-old divorcee in 1973. Yeah. It, it Having uh, having gone through two bankruptcies and... Which they essentially, don't essentially homeless. Yeah, it, it's 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 very strange. It if the whole movie had had moved at that breakneck speed, I think I would be in a coma right now. Well, that's the thing. Like I looked it up. I didn't really know much about Hilly Crystal's life before this, but I looked it up, and he was like a career musician before this. Yes, like, he was yeah. in the Marine Corps, and he like released a couple of singles. And he sang at Radio City Music Hall. That's correct. And he ran a couple of other things. Like, that could have been an interesting part of the story. Yeah, that could have been the first 20 minutes. Yeah, probably. and then, like, because there, there's a line later in the movie where he says, you're, you're talking to a guy who sang at Radio City Music Hall. And then, uh, and then like, but that comes across as a lie because we don't see that happening. We don't actually see it happening. Because no it one would establishes him that. as a semi-homeless, like, fucking loser. Well, and there's a... I feel... I, just... As a side note to that, I do feel like it, it is the ultimate because th- this is possibly the most boomer movie I've seen in in quite some time. It's basically every scene transition is kind of like a a filmed version of the that Twitter account cropped boomer images. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I, I I know what that I don't I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that specifically, but I think I know what what it is what it, what it would be. Yes, yeah, it, it's 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 basically just where somebody takes one panel of a or or just not the entirety of a uh, a a like right wing baby boomer facebook meme and yeah. then just posts it without context and it'll just be like like i think the pinned that, that is basically the writing style of these speech bubbles that oh, we absolutely. see where it's like what the hell question mark exclamation point like, like the 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 pinned tweet for that account account i think is a picture of um clint eastwood in like unforgiven or something mm. so like old clint eastwood but still a cowboy yeah and it just says i'd wipe my ass and that's it. <laughs> and that's basically that's the that's the, the 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 that's sort of the the premise of the. Anyways, that's a huge digression. But yes, uh, the, um, but that that is essentially the 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 house style of this movie, and I do think it is the it is a an extremely boomer decision to be like we're going to make a m- movie about the punk scene in New York to, of the, the mid to late seventies and early eighties. So what do we make it about? Well, okay. There's a few different decisions. You can make it about one of the bands or one of the key figures, or you could make it about the guy who owns the venue. No, I, 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 I I'll disagree. I no, I think that actually is, I, I think CBGB is something you can make a movie about. Oh, I, I do too. And, and I, I'm not necessarily against that decision. If, it's done 
properly and and I yes, do I do yes. think I do think Hilly Crystal is like an interesting enough guy that if you sort of create a, a mythology around him and, a, and an interesting character you the the huge sort of laundry list of random um figures in the punk, punk movement and uh and celebrities and all that um all those sort of little cameos would would work better but instead it's just oh here's five seconds of lou reed and it's way more interesting than the rest of the movie who has you know? a uh take a drink baffling accent by the way yeah okay who is true who was the dialect coach in this movie because okay it's, well yeah we're, we're burying the lead here yeah okay yeah. so actually it's a shame because i believe uh all things considered, Alan Rickman actually is the proper choice to play Hilly Crystal. Looking at footage of the real Hilly Crystal, sure. I'm being like, okay, yeah, that's a good Alan Rickman role. He has the deep voice. He kind of looks like him, like sure. like all that. But um, so it's as, but it's just it, the the script is shit, and the it's, script is bad. It's obviously. A, and it's a shame that this is one of Alan Rickman's last roles. This, too. Like he's this this movie killed Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> this this movie. Trying to do this movie gave him pancreatic. Trying cancer. to do the American accent was such a strain on his body that it gave him pancreatic cancer. No, I, and he no died. this this is the thing. Like, um, have you seen those uh, those that Wired web series with the dialect coach, like talking about? No, I things? haven't. No, it's it's a good thing actually. Just search Wired like movie accents. Sure. It's a thing. It's it's a. It, um, so he points out that in a lot of cases where movies people's accents are like what is happening yeah it's actually due to like the actors not given enough time to prepare or like they kind of rushed into production like like it's usually not because the actor isn't won't be good at doing it or not because the dialect coach is bad well there's but, a there's a not necessarily, but the thing is this director has n uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes anyway never made a good movie. Uh, yeah, all, all of his movies I think have less than twenty a uh, twenty score. Well, the 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 thing is, like Alan Rickman is a is a good actor. That's he's what a, I was getting a, at. Yeah, no, he's a brilliant actor, and yeah. the, and obviously you know, um, not just film actor either, like hugely accomplished stage actor. Yeah, and I do you know like I, I my gut instinct is that he could have done a good american accent oh absolutely probably yeah. under the right circumstances but instead what you end up with is like you basically get hello mr potter but, <laughs> but, but with like the the, the but with all the r's yeah hardened so um there, there's like a scene where he talks about uh how economics are now the dominant ideology in <laughs> north america and uh modern society <laughs> and it, it's it's just genuine it's just like no and this i can't I, I i i there were so many times where i actually had to like strain to even understand what he yeah. was saying because no, he, it was he so mumbles a lot and he well oh, yeah i want to buy that's this part bar. of his this bar is great i want to buy this bar yeah <laughs> Got it's, any money? Like, uh, it, it's it, that's it, how buying a bar works. Yeah, it, it there's also there's a scene the the scene with the like loan sharks too. Yeah, where they're just like screaming at him, and it, it, this is another feature okay, of we, yeah. Do sorry, we, I, I just I I'm sorry I'm opening up a ton of different threads yeah, here, okay. but I just did want to say like the another thing that's so frustrating about this movie that's another again to compare it to Gaudi was so frustrating about watching Gaudi is. It's it's bad even on certain technical levels. Like 
it shouldn't be that hard to hear your main character speak. Yes. And I, I found myself like having to turn the volume up and down depending on whether it was, say, like a scene of a band playing or whether it's a dialogue scene between Alan Rickman and somebody else. Like that's a that's a huge red flag that that it's it's bad even on that level but and and the thing is like so it's established he grew up in rural new jersey and it's established i don't know if this is actually true for rural new jersey but it's established that his parents speak with the new jersey accent well yeah his okay, his so mother is played by, by estelle uh, harris later in the movie but uh yeah. and then so later on uh it, it's it's assumed that he's lived his whole life in new york and new jersey right sure, yeah. so you would expect him to have that accent too well, his, his his daughter has the accent. His daughter you. sounds like Bernie Sanders. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and he sounds like Alan Rickman doing a bad American accent. I'm going to take some whipped cream and I'm going to suck Steve Bader's <laughs> cock with it. <laughs> yeah, and I looked it up. Lou Reed is from Long Island. Yeah. What is this weird? It, this, he sounds like an alien. Like, yeah, it's it's somebody. Do, well, that so. Okay. Yes. It, it, We're spending a lot of time on the accent thing. It's, but really, it's really, really important for people to understand how how this is going to be what time number four. How baffling yeah. the accents in this movie are because it's there are so many casting decisions that I swear to God there there are no Americans that play a lead role in this movie, despite the fact that the entire movie takes place with. Very few exceptions within, like, a two-block radius of one particular area of New York City. Yeah. We've got Snape playing the bar owner. <laughs> we've got Ron Weasley playing Cheetah Crone. Yes. Oh, great we, reunion. We've, yeah. we've got uh, um, this it Irish It didn't occur Canadian... to me until they shared a scene. It was like, oh, they were... Yeah. yeah okay. And, and it's, a, it's impossible not to read those scenes as, like, some sort of bizarre Harry Potter slash fiction. <laughs> like... And the the but the I know someone who definitely would have yeah, written absolutely. that fanfic. The the um there's a the, I can't remember the guy's name, but the the hard hat guy, his uh, sort of partner Merv, from yeah. Merv, thank you. Is played by a Hilly's um, business partner. For, yes, Hill, yeah. Hilly's business partner. He's played by a um this Irish character actor who is born in Canada to Irish parents and has an Irish accent mm. but does a fairly convincing like he sort of code switches he's like do you know who Gillian Anderson is oh yeah yeah she played Scully yeah, so, yeah no and, she was she I think she was born in America to British parents grew up in Britain for a little while and is it was what is called bi-dialectical yes exactly and I, I believe this guy is sort of in the same boat yeah but every time I've really ever seen him in anything he always plays an Irishman mm. and his and he he looks like an Irishman, and he he it just maybe it's just the direction or the lack of time to prepare. But he he is really weird in this movie too. Isn't it established that he talks with a British accent for no reason? The character, I don't possibly I, by character. I mean real person. Yeah, I. I can't. I I can't even get into that. Yeah, there's so, yeah, there are so the many. Mo, the mo, yeah, the, that's what kind of movie this is. We can't even remember how the hell there even are that so many bizarre that fucking detail. Asides to 
that just are interesting, like potentially interesting threads that are open up and that are opened up and go absolutely nowhere and are never mentioned again. And I would not be surprised if that was one of them, but I do not remember. <laughs> no, and and we also have Malin Ackerman, uh, I think a Swedish Canadian who yes. playing playing Debbie Harry, who's act, it's actually a good ta- casting choice. But I'm not sure that Debbie Harry is known for talking like this yeah, either. I don't think she is either. But I, I, I was going to say that is the one casting choice that she looks just like her yeah. and she has the mannerisms down for the most part and it, it's one example of sort of I'm not familiar with Blondie that much so you would know better, fair better enough. than I but. They, but they really to the extent that they have that, that there are were opportunities to make this movie watchable which I, <laughs> I am not convinced there were very many they squander all of them like, oh, and Rupert Grant does look a lot like Cheetah Crumb like I looked at some Dead Boys footage too well, and yeah. interestingly his American accent is fine yeah he's the one the one foreign actor well Ohio in the is kind of an easier accent to learn I that's think that's true like, yeah but it's still it's 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 so weird to see him just sort of pull off this more or less. I think it's it it maybe the reason it works is because Cheetah Chrome is such a sort of like over the top figure that he's doing a weird sort of voice doesn't stand out as much. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's so weird because he's insane <laughs> to watch him talk to Alan Rickman and just have. Alan Rickman just it's it's just it immediately takes me to Harry Potter yeah, and, yeah, and, it, yeah. and he he that British accent of his does kind of come through every once in a while and it's it just fuck I hated this movie it was so <laughs> it is brutal perhaps now is a good time to uh, ask the question what did Jackson drink while watching uh, and or talking about this movie <laughs> yes here's the deal I've got a hangover who knows what that means? Doesn't that mean you're drunk? No, it means I was drunk yesterday. You wouldn't come to work hungover unless you're an alcoholic. Dude, you got a disease. Hmm, what's your name? Freddie Jones. Hmm, Freddie Jones. Shut up! I say my, my slow descent into alcoholism. I'm gonna, um, I'm just gonna pour myself another one if you don't mind. New pornographers, everybody. Okay, sorry about that. All right, so what do we got in the A and W mug there? It's the return of the. Oh wait, no wait, you're kidding. He didn't just drink what I think he did. <laughs> did he? No, th- this week it's actually not that bad. So, um, I I had this at a I had this at a restaurant recently, and uh, it seemed like a good winter beverage i was drinking it during the big snowstorm that happened yeah um when i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to leave my house and i was like it's my weekend it's gonna be really boring if i'm just stuck here with my mr noodles or whatever so i i during the snowstorm i was like well, okay before it gets really bad i'm gonna go out and buy a bunch of liquor and um but i drank uh what is known as a moscow mule okay it's traditionally served in a copper mug which I do not have, and I'm very disappointed that I do not have. But um, it's basically just uh, vodka, lime juice, and the lime juice is important because you, you're supposed to put like like a fucking quarter cup of this shit in there. Yeah, I saw you like put a big squirt in there just yeah. now. And uh, and ginger beer, and usually either uh, mint leaves or sometimes if you're feeling very fancy, basil. But I have neither of those things right now, so uh, I think I, I think, skipped out on those. I think but. savory drinks need to be explored a little more. It's a good it, like it, I mean in this in this case the it's sort of 
it hits my palate just right. I feel so pretentious saying that, but like it's 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 good because it vodka generally, unless you drink enough of it to give yourself alcohol poisoning, it mm. doesn't really give you a hangover. Mm. And then um, the I I love ginger beer and it's and it's nice and like it's very spicy and the lime juice sort of just like only augments that and it cuts down the sweetness a little bit and uh no it was it was really nice it was way nicer than watching the movie yeah. uh, i i drink miso soup sometimes my brother-in-law taught me that oh wow i i wonder what miso i wonder what alcohol would mix well with miso soup huh what's the most like umami alcohol <laughs> you would know better than me be, i guess we'll explore this at a later yeah. date but yeah no it would not particularly interesting fermented miso yeah oh okay maybe uh yeah not not particularly interesting this week but uh uh since we last recorded like i i've realized and looked back on on that like period of my life and realized that I was drinking way too much. No, I think so this, you even said so at the time. Yeah, so. this might not be uh, uh, as regular of a of a segment as as it was before. But like, holy shit! For your I, own sake, I needed it this time. <laughs> like, it, this time was was bad. I just like I said, like thirty seconds into the movie, I was like, holy shit! I'm I need to drink to get through this movie. So yeah, yeah. that's uh, can we maybe we should talk about how. The actually here's another segment. How is uh, ah. the performance and or recording of music portrayed in the movie? Yes. I am glad that name. you brought this up. Yeah, uh, I wish we had a good name for this. Like, segment, okay, so I know it's a movie, and I know it can be hard to find good soundalikes, and I know they can't make it sound as shitty as it did in real life. But I do not buy for a second the master recordings of these songs coming out of these actors playing the bands. Yeah. Well, so first of all, the 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 choice to just use they use studio recordings yes. for all of the songs. Yeah. No. Which it's, is which is uh, more expensive than recording your own. Yeah, and it's it's th- that is the one thing about this movie that's that's really kind of it's worth pointing out, like. The soundtrack to this movie is immaculate. Yeah, like it's it's an excellent soundtrack. All, yeah. all, all the and it's not. I just, discovered a Johnny Thunder song that I yes, had never heard before, and it was totally. great. Yeah, there there are like with one notable exception, which we'll get to in a minute. Like every song in this movie is an iconic part of that scene of and of that era, pretty much, with the exception of the well one song that we'll get to and the Talking Head song that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, but at least a defensible decision because they mentioned CBGB in the song. Maybe not great for the opening credits, but I digress. Um, the and it's it's it it's good down to like the songs that they pick to sort of uh, convey the 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 early beginnings of punk. They use 1969 by the Stooges. Mm-hmm. I want to be your dog. Uh, Which uh, Blondie jams. knows how to play just right off the cuff for some reason. Okay, yeah, that was that th- that part was genuinely funny because it's 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 just and the they studio. know how to sound exactly like the Stooges well, while playing it. It's the studio recording, it, despite the fact that the Stooges had not been together for what at the time of the that the movie's supposed to be portraying like at least five years, mm. and um, 
and it, it's it's really funny because they just play the studio master recording of I Want to Be Your Dog, and then Malin Ackerman just sort of like squeals the words to it. Over well, because the scene the scene is Blondie is on stage, but then Iggy Pop just jumps up and like I'm Iggy Pop, I'm gonna sing, and then yeah. and then. Malin Ackerman's like, fuck you, Iggy. And then they sing that song. They sing, I want to be your dog. And, and, and it's then, just very which, obviously. to be fair, is the same riff over and over. But, yeah, yeah. And then, but then uh, Blondie's joining in like, now I want to be your dog. And it's bad. It's yeah. very, very bad. And it doesn't sound like Blondie. It, but sounds, we, like an, it sounds like an actress who can't sing. It's because <laughs> she wasn't lip syncing to the studio recording on which the, the vocals exactly. are double tracked. And <laughs> yeah, there, there is a, the, the, there are just a, a lot of issues with the with with this whole aspect of the movie but yeah, when, I, I did want to just just before we we close the thread on uh on the soundtrack oh, the itself, thread isn't closing no 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 I'm i just say. mean on, on the, the the quality of the soundtrack yeah. which is very good for mm, the yeah, most yeah. part um it's it's good down to the fact that i hate the velvet underground like <laughs> i really really hate them and we um we don't have time for that, but we can get into that on another episode. Is but there a Velvet Underground movie? I there must be something. There's 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 the concert aside from maybe a shitty Netflix documentary. There's but. the the there's the concert movie of Lou Reed playing Berlin in mm. its entirety. So when we're in like season seventeen, well, <laughs> we can maybe do that. But uh, but yeah, don't like the Velvet Underground. This movie has three Velvet Underground songs in it, and they are the three Velvet Underground songs that I like. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the name of one of them. It's the one that plays uh, when he goes back to the farm. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, and then uh, I'm Waiting for the Man, which is actual, which is a banger. That's a good song, even though I hit the Velvet Underground and Heroin. Um, it, so, I think mine might be Venus and Furs, my favorite Velvet song. That's... That's the one that goes like dan 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 Yeah, I I can't I just can't do the fake raga shit anymore. Sure, if I yeah. was like 15, I would probably maybe be into it, but Leave it to the Beatles. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, yeah. but actually though. <laughs> but it's like when we see Talking Heads audition for CBGBs. Yes. This is back when bands auditioned for bands rather than sending iPhone recordings. Yeah. But um we so they play Psycho Killer. It's the studio version. There's two guitars on that song. Yeah, I, that was the first thing I noticed too. And uh, no, and actually, one of the for uh, one of the like the I think the third result for CBGB on YouTube is video of Talking Heads playing CBGB in 1975. They could have referenced that. Maybe? They could have looked at it. Yeah, yeah, they could have. Yeah, it's it's the guy playing David Byrne kind of does it right. He's like, hi, we're Talking Heads. Yeah, no, they're... and and in the footage, you uh, he's also like, this name of this band is Talking Heads. Yeah, there thank, are, thank you. There are good performances in this movie. Yeah, they're all squandered, and they and basically nobody but the the central sort of characters in the in the bar that manage or work for the bar are really in the movie uh, outside from a couple of scenes. Um, but I would say like, he's a fairly convincing David Byrne, which is not 
the same for like not easy to do. I, they unfortunately like it's unfortunate. Not a lot of people look like that guy. Yeah, well, and it's unfortunate that they made. Um, it's unfortunate that they, that they made the CBGB movie now because obviously there's no young Holocaust survivors to play Tom Verlaine from television. <laughs> the guy who plays Tom Verlaine is like way too good looking to be Tom Verlaine. Tom Verlaine's a gaunt motherfucker. Like he he looks like he's about to die. Like, <laughs> at least on the cover of Mark they could have they should have gotten the same guy they uh, used to play Joey Ramone, and then that could have been like a little <laughs> in joke. Well. It's funny you should say that. Because they could have gotten the guy from Deer Hunter or something. I'm not completely convinced that the guy who plays Tom Verlaine and the guy who plays Sting at the end of the movie are different guys. I think it might be the they, same They guy. must be. I think I kind of glanced at the cast credits and for this. It's but, different. But yeah. it, it, they're both like two... They're very unconvinced. They're very unconvincing at, at at playing the the guy that they're supposed to be playing. And I, I noticed it with Tom Verlaine in particular because I think television is the first band that plays. It is there, yeah. and it's it's just it's not. It stands out more because I I would say for the most part they at least get um, actors that look. Like the 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 actual historical figures, like do we know do we know if uh, Terry York really did look like the Big Bang Theory guy? <laughs> it's funny you should like. It's funny you bring him up uh, because I do have a note about him in my in my for my show notes. And wh- I mean, first of all, um, the guy who Johnny Galecki, the the Big Bang Theory guy, they could have gotten him to play David Byrne. The- <laughs> But that, that could have worked. He's actually like I don't I don't know a damn thing about Terry Ork, but he does the sort of um, the stock character of like a uh, like an Ari Gold agent, like a greasy manager, greasy type. manager type, like fairly well. But the, the, the you're thing, lucky I watched enough Entourage to know what you're talking oh, about. That's good. Yeah, and my parents were fans. Entourage is going to come up again. Okay, later, uh, in an unexpected way, but um, oh boy, the. Uh, he his character is his character introduction is is as much as the the comic book sort of aesthetic is overused and 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 used poorly um when Terry Ork is introduced it's the it's the most insane um example of that because he goes hi I'm Terry Ork I'm the manager of television and then it's like freeze frame comic book and it says Terry Ork manager of television <laughs> it's literally the thing that he just said and that that reminded me of have you ever seen Inglorious Bastards uh, once yeah okay because there's a gag, when it came out there's a gag in Inglorious Bastards that is literally just that but it's played for laughs but it's on but it's uh, made by a person who isn't stupid yeah well <laughs> that's not true <laughs> well, okay well yes yes it's, it's made by it's made by a person who knew what they were doing. It's made by a good filmmaker yes. <laughs> who is also stupid. Yes, but, okay. Um, cool. Fair enough. Uh, and he, it, it's the, the the character, it's one of the characters from, I remember his name because I remember the gag so vividly. He, um, he's a, like a Nazi hunter or whatever mm. and, uh, and somebody says to this Nazi officer like, do you know who Hugo Stiglitz is? And then the Nazi scoffs goes, Poof. Everyone knows Hugo Stiglitz. And then it just like pans to the guy and he's like smiling and he's like holding an AK-47 or something. <laughs> and then it just like freeze frame and it just says Hugo Stiglitz. <laughs> and, it, and I'm just like, how do That's you... That's almost an Edgar Wright thing to yeah, do too. It, it, well, this is... This movie is like somebody tried to make... It's somebody... 
just making like a shitty Edgar Wright movie. Like it really does have a lot of the same sort of touches, but they're all done. Same color grading too. Yeah, absolutely. But it's all done horribly. <laughs> like it, if we ever it's do. Like, it's like someone trying to do Edgar Wright in such a way that they don't actually, it's obviously they don't actually realize what makes Edgar Wright's movies good. Uh, exactly. Yeah. No, and that's that's the the that's the downfall of any good movie. Not really, not that not that you know someone like movie, not I that someone say, like me necessarily would completely understand either. But it's like I have a brain and eyes to watch movies and, with, you know, and like, if, and like y- you can feel it, yeah, on yeah, like yeah, a visceral and instinctual level. Like, yeah, but and and speaking of Sting, like okay, this this is actually the first scene of the movie that I saw, even though it's actually one of the last. Yes. Like I was just. And it's the scene of uh, the police right. auditioning for CBGB. And the master recording of Roxanne coming out of them, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, it's the bad. guy looks like he's lip syncing. Oh, oh, all it, the lip syncing in this movie is really bad, too. Yeah. Like, you, you can lip sync well. Yes. Um, it is possible. But it's not... Yeah, it's 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 not done well in this uh, in any aspect of this movie. Not not one person looks like they're performing music. The the closest thing is the the bass player of the Talking Heads when they play Psycho Killer Mouth, yeah. does seem to be playing the the baseline, mm. but that lasts for two seconds. Yeah, uh, the actually I was reading in the IMDb uh, trivia. Um, you know, on famously at the beginning of Roxanne, we hear like a weird like chord in the background. It's because Sting actually accidentally sat on a piano oh, during funny. the session. I yeah, didn't know that. Okay. so it's like it's like one of those. It's like a common music trivia thing. But they sure. they note that while they obviously that couldn't happen while they audition at CBGBs, uh, but they that you in the on the single you actually do hear a bit of a laugh after that happens. Right, it's like ha ha, and then they edit that out of the version used in the movie. But not the chord. The chord, yes. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but that's extremely funny. Let's edit out this tiny laugh here. Yeah, but not but not the thing sitting that... on a piano. Yeah, we also have. Uh, this actually sounded like it might have been a new recording. I'm not sure, but we have Patty Smith. Uh, oh yes, playing. yes. So she's. This is uh, takes place in '74. She was yeah. one of the first uh, punkers to actually discover. Um, I, I sound like such a nerd. Punkers. To, Punkers. You know what I mean. But uh, to, you, sound, to, you sound approximately as old as the target audience. Yes. For this movie. So <laughs> it, that's just what came out of me. So um, it. Uh, so she's. It's presumably 1974. She's uh, playing one of her first shows. She's singing "Because the Night." Which yes. came out in 1978, right? Yes. And was co-written with Bruce Springsteen. Yes, which is gonna and and anachronistic music is going to become a theme okay. in a moment. Yes, so that's like us going on stage and being like, "Here's a song we wrote with Maroon Five in the fucking future." Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's I'm a screenwriter for a biopic. Let's get a bunch of shit knowingly wrong in a way that our nerd audience will notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true. One thing I did want to um i did notice something or something about the patty smith scene really hit me yeah which was that i don't know anything really about patty smith but the actress that portrays her and and what she does that's like approximately as annoying as i imagine patty smith would be in do you know who that actress was no sting's daughter oh that's amazing yeah fuck how like 
it's amazing what they went to the trouble to do. Because Cheetah Chrome, the real Cheetah Chrome, has a cameo in this movie, too. Oh, I, I think I read that, but I forgot it, yeah. I didn't notice who he was, but I did read it yep. on the IMDb page. I think he's or bald now. And the, yes, he is. And the, the, you know, the effort of going to the trouble of, get, of paying for all these songs that do make up a great soundtrack, even if they're not util- utilized well. Yeah. Um, so I say that. There's one very notable exception, and uh, I think it's time that we that we delve into what is for me, in both good and bad ways, the highlight of the movie, which is for some reason my uh, shower just sometimes <laughs> like it'll just leak slightly. So that that sound that you. The listeners probably can't hear, but you're hearing right now and giving a puzzled look to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the sound of the shower doing that? I was like, did it just start raining and do you have a sunroof? (laughs) Did it just start raining inside? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, okay. So, the remotes. Uh, Okay. Sorry, did I make you lose your train of thought there? No, it's fine. Let's start with the good. Okay. The Ramones scenes in this movie are the the only thing in a movie that I think is intended to be funny at times that do register as amusing. Yes. Um, they're intentionally intentionally. Yeah. Um, the guys who look who who play each of the individual Ramones all look basically identical to the real Ramones. Um, in a it's way, it's really that, hard to get someone who looks like Joey Ramone, but I think they did their best. Uh, yes. Uh, the I was. Um, I was going to say though Adam Driver if they're ever making a biopic would be the that would be my choice. Oh the guy who plays Kylo Ren. Darth Emo, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I want some stilts. Put, yeah. yeah, just film him from, you know, like a low angle. Have and, him eat only grapefruit like Christian Bale did for that one movie. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and give him the rose-colored glasses. But yep. anyways, yeah, so th- they all look like the real Ramones, and um, he could do the voice too. Go on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. They, the 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 only fucking people in the movie who seem to get the dialect, they have a good dialect coach or whatever. Um, the the sort of their banter, as limited as it is, is, is pretty funny. Um, they there's like a, a scene. There's like one part where uh, uh, they they get signed, and I can't remember which one of them it is. It was just like. <laughs> One of them just says like, "Why'd we get signed? We suck." No, that was Joey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's like the only part of the movie that elicited a chuckle from me. But they—it's just—it is the the perfect example of like looking a gift horse in the mouth because like they—if they had just followed these guys around and gotten them to just sort of like pretend to be the Ramones, they probably could have gotten like a semi-watchable movie just out of that because they're quite just good out of like improv B-roll. But like. instead, they decided to uh, they decided to use a song that is I'm going to use the word again in a, in a in a in a movie that is already to your lips folks so baffling <laughs> the, is easily the most baffling choice in the entire movie which is to use i'm under the impression a song from the 2002 <laughs> Joey Ramone solo album <laughs> 
as the song that the Ramones play in the scene in this movie that is supposed to take place in 1974. Yeah, so, okay, how can you license Psycho Killer? How can you license Sunday Girl? How can you license Because the Night? Roxanne! And and license Roxanne and not license Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue or Or, something. uh, I... I've actually watched the first... There's footage of the first Ramones show at uh, CBGB. No, not the first, but one, a month in. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like a very early show. Right? No, I watched this too, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, they definitely play Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue. Yeah. They play, um, they play a bunch of songs from that first album. And the thing about the, the first album is that if, if you went to the trouble of finding like an old um, pressing of that record or yeah. just even not using a remaster it it sounds shitty enough that it could it could almost even pass for a live performance mm-hmm, like it, yeah, and yeah. and more importantly there's so many there's so much so many recordings of the ramones playing those songs live that you can oh, lose oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's a bevy of 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 just live I believe there's live recordings of all of these bands yeah i know for, <laughs> for sure but but with the ramones they're very easily accessible and, and yeah and so it's so strange to me that my my, my first um inc- my my first guess at it when I heard it was I thought it was a song from Too Tough to Die because that's a sort of production and vocal style from Joey that that it I I I'm guessing the solo album must have like a similar might even be be produced by the, the only, same guy. I think the only thing from a solo that solo I've heard is is what a wonderful world cover. cover yeah. yeah, which it was, is, in, yeah. The, it was um, in the car commercial. I think uh, it was also at the end of I want to say Bowling for Columbine, hmm. a Michael Moore movie. One of his it, one of his uh, trademark ironic musical cues. Yes, exactly. Um, but it, it's it it just I mean, there's so many parts of this movie that take you out of it, but this was like. I, I, I for a Ramones fan of up. your caliber, yeah, yeah. and I, I mean it's funny because I'm not even that big of a Ramones fan because like I was convinced at first like okay this is a song I haven't heard from one of their mid '80s albums because I've only uh, I really love their first album mm-hmm. and then I really like like a couple of sort of random ones like I like Pleasant Dreams which has the KKK took my baby away on it mm-hmm. it's like that era. And then, um, you know, and then other than that, I'm sort of a, a purist in my taste. I like their first, like, three records or whatever, which are the ones that everybody likes. Yeah. And then after, other than that, I don't really know anything about them. But I was immediately like, the fuck is this song? <laughs> like, I, I, I could not, it, it, I, I, I wasn't really paying attention for lots of parts of this movie. And this jolted me awake. Like, it was like, what the fuck is this song? And it's, it sounds like even more than all the other songs in this movie, like it was recorded in like a, you know, on like a sound stage in like the nicest studio. Like, it's- no, that's the thing. No, I, I, I wouldn't have noticed that it was uh, not a proper Ramon song any more than you would have. I wouldn't sure. have, I wouldn't have known that either. But it, like, it was one of the musical cues that jumped out at me as being a little too crisp. You know, yeah, or maybe a little too new sounding, and it's such a slow song too. Like I think, it's not. I think, I think. I think the Patty Smith one may have been like that too, as as did maybe a Blondie one. Mm-hmm. But like, 
alongside the master recordings yes. of these other songs that I am familiar with, they 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 they're incongruous. Like they yeah, don't, and it, it they jump out at you. Either it, have them all one way or all of them another way. And it stands out even among like the original master recording of Psycho Killer. Mm, it still yeah. stands out because it's so crisp and so just when they go to play and and they even went to the trouble of having the dd ramon guy go one two three four like as fast as you know because that's what he does he, he would just yell one two three four at the same pace every single time and then they would go into playing the song at the actual tempo that it was and then cj ramon would follow in that tradition later <laughs> yes yeah so it it's astounding to me because and this is callback. There is an episode of Entourage. Yes. Where um, Vincent Chase, played by Adrian Grenier, uh, is offered. Is the that the main guy? The, act, the, main the one guy, who's yeah. actually an actor? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is offered the lead role in a Joey Ramone biopic. Hmm. And the song that plays over the end credits, also the title of the proposed Joey Ramone biopic is I want to be sedated. Hmm. So clearly, and as somebody who watches a number of hockey games, Blitzkrieg Bop plays in literally every sports arena <laughs> on television. It's, it's there, somewhere right now, there is a sports event going on and people are yelling, hi-ho, let's go. Yeah. And so clearly, it's not impossible to get the license to this music. My only... Um, I, my only guess is that like the ghost of Johnny Ramone, like literally, like came up out of the ground and was like, "If you use, because he would be coming out of hell." Yeah, <laughs> if you use any of these fucking songs <laughs> in this fucking movie, I will, you know, I will possess Baron Trump. Yeah, and <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know. I'll send like Guatemalan death squads to your house or something. <laughs> or, yeah, Johnny, man, Johnny Ramon. <laughs> what a guy. I will reanimate the corpses of all the Contras that I presumably loved so much. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like Johnny Ramon, uh, if he had any songwriting talent whatsoever, which that's the, the funniest thing about Johnny Ramon is that he's such an asshole and he's such, everybody in the band hated him and he was so like just at odds with the way. Um, the rest of the band, like what it felt like, obviously politically, but not just politically, like philosophically, and 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 it's so funny because he's like the only guy in the band who never contributed any. Like even Tommy Ramone wrote Blitzkrieg Bob. Yeah, and it's just so funny to me that he, this guy that was just such an unbelievable asshole, somehow managed to like maintain a stranglehold on the band despite contributing absolutely nothing creatively, <laughs> but. That's neither here nor there. I took a bunch of a antacids, but it's not fixing. He almost sounded like reflux. Alan Rickman there for a second. <laughs> um, it's, it's neither here nor 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 there. That's neither here <laughs> nor <laughs> there. Fortunately. The member of Dead Boys, whose name I can't remember, won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <sighs> All right, so let's let's get into the end of this movie. This it's a wonderful life ass ending. Ah, I'm glad you noticed that because that was exactly what I having thought. seen that movie for the first time two months ago. Yeah. Yay! 
All right. So I have no idea whether this actually happened. Uh, like they, I think they might, they may have just done this to make it a story. Yeah. Um, I think Hilly, I think, well, Hilly is portrayed throughout the movie. Okay. So you can tell that they made this movie after Hilly died because he just seems like a fucking idiot throughout the entire goddamn thing. Yeah. Like he lets his dog shit everywhere, which, which is the kind of gag that like in an Edgar Wright movie would be funny. But in this movie is just so like, it's just like, oh, there's dog shit again. Yeah. It's, I I swear to God that that should be like a, like if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that that was a line in the movie. Like there's just like fucking Merv just every time somebody steps a dog shit just goes like, or just a speech bubble (laughs) and like fucking comic sans font just like oh there's fucking dog shit again no but no or no to be characteristic of this movie it it would have been oh, there's dog shit again on the floor speech bubble there's dog shit again on the floor <laughs> yeah no um, but, right, yeah no so and it's like he keeps all the money from the bar in the freezer and just chooses not to pay off rent or bills or anything like that for no reason? Uh, because he's cool. Oh, oh yes. The one, because the, because a, he got out of his crib at age one it is actually the on one, a farm and almost got run over by his fucking parents. It is actually the only thing in the movie that like makes you think he's cool. Is that like he won't pay rent? So like, so like that, that's like one the one thing in the movie where you're like, okay, I see what the appeal of this guy is. That and the the weird thing in the end credits where they actually just show the Talking Heads getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whatever, yeah. which was like not coincidental. Have you ever heard that performance that they gave? No, that, it's fucking. It sounds weird. Yeah, it's so stiff, and you can tell they don't want to be anywhere near each uh, other. Yeah, that's the only part of this movie that's watchable, and it makes sense because it's also like not footage from the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. just like you know. Anyways, as you were saying, uh, no, but yeah, I have, no, I have nothing else to say about it other than it's like just like what is even happening? Like he he's on the verge of you know losing the bar because he's just so bad with money and yeah. all that and. What not? But then everyone—it's literally like it's a wonderful life. We made some calls, yeah, a lot of calls, and here's a giant wad of money that you can pay off this year with. M- Mr. Gower Cable, do you need cash? Stop. <laughs> My office instructed to send you up to twenty-five thousand dollars. Stop. <laughs> Hee haw! Merry Christmas, and uh, you know, thanks for the dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Every t- every time every time the dead boys play, a dog shits on the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's bit, that's all I got. Like I don't, I couldn't even like this was ge- genuinely the th- this is the most punishing. Oh, can movie we we've, can we've watched? Uh, really, I think the most punishing thing about it was having to hear them make Estelle Harris say that one line. Ooh, which one was that? Um, so she's eating the oh. chili at the bar. Oh. Uh, she, she's playing uh, Hilly's mom yes. uh, visiting the bar. Uh, it's it Joey's, was, Joey's sitting next to her while she's eating the Imagine having her career now. Like, she, she, she literally is just in every movie, she's some dickhead's mom. Yeah. That's literally... Or Mrs. Potato Head. Yes. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, there isn't a, a baby potato head, but yeah. th- there might as well be some, some yeah. dickheads more. Like. Um, so Joey Ramon's sitting next to her while she's eating the, ch- the house chili, mm-hmm. and he's like, rumor has it Steve Bader's jerks off into that. And then Estelle Harris says, I've had worse things in my mouth. Which, uh, I'm assuming, like, that dog is just really old, and it, like, just one time literally shit in her mouth, because that's, like... The, no, I, no, I well, think it's, it's a well, dick joke, but... No, but it's Joey Ramone being like, you're eating cum, and she's like, I've had worse things in my mouth, so it can't even Maybe be... Maybe it's because it's Steve Bader's cum, ostensibly? I, it, it's, I have no idea. This is his... I think they just wanted to make Estelle Harris... Do a dick joke. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't even work. Yeah. Like, it's it's any of the multiple dick jokes that Estelle Harris does in Seinfeld is much better than yeah. any of the dick okay. jokes in this movie. Anyway, well, Estelle, congratulations on having this be one of your last movies, presumably. So uh, Yeah, I would. She's 90. She's literally yeah. 90. She's in Toy Story 4. She's got, well, yeah, but and Don Rickles isn't, apparently, so I wonder how they'll do that. But. Yeah, it'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll just be like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Mr. Potato Head lost his mouth. Don Rickles, Don Rickles is going to be like, uh, they'll just dub over him, like, waving at someone, and he'll be like, I have to go now, and it'll be like, <laughs> Mr. Potato Head died on the way to his home. No, but I, I did... <laughs> All right, so uh, Jackson, who is still in the room with me, by the way, is there anything else you have to say in conclusion about this week's film, CBGB? So in conclusion, this movie was so bad that it lowered the audio quality of my voice uh, and made it to seem as though this ending is really disjointed, almost like something fucky happened with the recorder. But that uh, definitely did not happen, and I am uh, definitely in the same room as Reed, and you can find me on Twitter at FailSonMcDonald. Yes, and you can find me on Twitter as well at Dog underscore Snack. Uh, you can find the podcast itself on Twitter at, at TunesOnFilm, all one word. Uh, our email address is TunesOnFilm, all one word again, at gmail.com. Uh, that does it for this half of the month, and stay tuned for Pod Save America. Yeah.